Well, you're listening to Darling Street Stories, where I get to talk with members of our church community. We talk about life, we talk about faith, we talk about some of the challenges and the joys of being a follower of Jesus. We hope and pray that this will be profoundly encouraging to you and help you to connect with God and learn to live a truly great life. This afternoon, it's my great privilege to talk with Rolf Howard and uh, listen to his story and a little bit about what God has done in his life over the years. So, Rolf, thank you so much for agreeing to be part of this uh, podcast project. Thanks, Mark, for um, drawing me into it and... It's great to be a part of it. Yeah. So can you tell us a little bit about your family and family of origin and where you are now? Okay, so my family of origin is that I grew up in the southern suburbs of Sydney in Oatley uh, and I had uh, just one sister and my parents uh, grew up in the 60s. I went to local public school. Uh, now there's just Melinda and me. Um, we've been unable to have children, um, but we're fortunate to have some really close Christian friends who are like our extended family. Um, and both of us, when we were married, uh, had already lost our mothers. Oh. And um, and then our fathers, uh, after that, um, became ill each after each other with dementia and and passed on so uh melinda has her brother and i have a sister yeah wow so did you grow up in a christian family my parents were not christians in the look i think my mother became more she i think my mother had always been christian in, and um she uh did uh live a christian life and uh worshiped uh with uh local anglican and then and then uh, actually in a catholic church um in later in life um my father was um of a anglican high anglican background uh, and and to be fair, I think they were really quite supportive of me, but they weren't in my youth um, really strong in their Christian leadership. Yeah. yeah. So how did you end up becoming a follower of Jesus? What was so your path? They did send me to Sunday school when I was younger, and I was very early aware of uh, Christian things. Uh, I... Um, um, was taught early on to seek first the kingdom of God, and I remember that quite distinctly. But more later, when I was about 12 or 13, I was at a Christian camp, and I was asked at that camp um, in the course of teaching and stuff that uh, was I a Christian, and... I really thought that I was a white Anglo-Saxon boy in Australia and uh, by definition I was Christian and I, that I responded as such, I think. Uh, and I was then taught about um, the historical Jesus and what Jesus had done for me and for us and 
I comprehended the logic huh. and the need. Yeah. Uh, and I responded accordingly. Wow. So you had thought, well, you're, you're obviously Christian because you're Australian and you're white. And then wh- what was the logic and the need? What, what, what changed then for you? You saw that, you understood what, you needed to make a personal response to Jesus. What was the change? Yeah, I understood pretty quickly. I'm not dumb. I understood that <laughs> um, being white and um, being an Australian were um, um, circumstantial facts. But um, being a, a follower of Jesus depended on comprehending who he was in history and what he had done uh, and that was d- d- um, and what the significance of that was and and that was all made out to me yeah. in that discussion um, and uh, I uh, I went and accepted that and yeah. responded and it was interesting because um, people who I was friends with and indeed uh, yeah loved uh, had similar experiences but didn't didn't respond the yeah. same way as me at the time. Yeah, because you said it was obvious. You kind of the words were, "Well, you weren't dumb, I think," or it was obvious to you. One of the things that's always struck me is it does seem so obvious, and I, it perplexes me that others who hear it it doesn't seem obvious to them. And it's not because they're any any intellectually less able, but there's something. Have you ever wondered? I mean, does that do you wonder why some people don't respond and why you did? Yeah, it does trouble me, um, but uh, I now, in later life, I think I'm, I know that um, God is in control of all of these things that happened, and ultimately, um, his blessing was on me, yeah. uh, and, and unfortunately, it wasn't on, on other people in, in, with a similar, similar argument in front of them. Yeah. So uh, that was in your early teens, 12, 13. That's right, yeah, and, quite early. And so um, you've kept on following Jesus ever since. Did you get involved in a, a local church down? So pretty your- soon after I um, did that response, I, I did go to a church. So I um, followed up. I realized that I wasn't going to do it all on my own. And... Um, so I went, and it wasn't far to go. It was a very close walk. So I went along and became part of the um, uh, the uh, young people's group, etc. Um, and uh, that was all pretty. And then I think for me, the the challenge happened a bit. Well, what happened was that I was um, also uh, able to uh, engage with some really good. Christian people who were older than me, right. some of whom um, I know you know, uh, and um, um, and so I had really good leadership uh, from camps I went on and and in the in the church that I was in. Um, but was it, one of the interesting things that happened for me as an older teenager was that I went along to a Pentecostal church. Okay, um, and that that opened up a whole. Um, really challenging situation because many of my friends, my evangelical friends, were had a different perspective on um, Christian life and mm. I was thrown in with some people who had uh, a view about second blessing and stuff like this and 
so at a, you know at quite a young age, I was trying to work out what was going on with all of this. Yeah, right. Um, huh. And um, fortunately, my minister at Oatley uh, put me in touch with some reading and so, okay. and that was. So who were the people who then influenced you back then in terms of shaping your thinking of the work of the Holy Spirit and how you would grow and what the shape of the Christian life looked like? So I was, um, I'm just trying to think whether it was experiences. I, I had some very positive experiences and uh, in particular, but, but in particular I read um, material by uh, guys like David Watson, yep. uh, and then um, our local church, a guy called David Pitchers, yep. came to our local church oh. from England, um, and he mm. ran an evening service which became um, very special in um, the way that uh, God moved amongst people, uh, and we saw that that um, God really blessed people and and gave us um, quite a. Uh, really an emotional, but sometimes uh, some people I think uh, had um, experiences of healing. Um, and then I went to some a couple of big events in my twenties yep. with a guy called John Wimber, right. who was from the United States, yeah. and uh, um, he was um, a very uh, inspired leader. Uh, and there were some wonderful things that happened under his right. specific leadership and also some of the people in his team. Um, and he also confronted uh, quite a lot of criticism. Yeah. And uh, so I think the big thing for me in this was when I was led to um, Galatians 5.18 a guy called Martin Lloyd Jones was a pastor, a theologian who led my, who actually taught my local minister at Oatley. Wow. Okay. And, um, and Martin Lloyd Jones had a perspective on um, Galatians five eighteen that it's that the the Bible is saying that that particular passage is um, be not filled. Um, Get, don't get drunk on wine, but be being filled with the Holy Spirit. Right. So, whereas the usual English translation is, don't be drunk on wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Yes. Which leads to an either-or situation. Yeah. It sort of leads to you're either filled or you're not filled. Um, Correct. Whereas um, if it's being being filled with the Holy Spirit, then... You not only can have a second blessing, you can have multiple blessings. That's right, it's sensational. Exactly. Yeah, okay. yeah, it's fantastic. So you, it's a yeah. great way to live your life. <laughs> and that was really important yeah. to me, to understand that and to get over this, do you have it or don't you have Yeah. and um, get beyond that discussion was so important. That's fantastic. So we'll, we'll change tack a little. We'll get back to your kind of Christian faith and how that's unfolded in your life. What did you do... Uh, after school, and what have you done work-wise? Where has God led you in your vocation and in your professional life? What's what's unfolded there? Okay, so I um I went to a school where I sort of um, if I was really smart, I would have become a doctor, but because I wasn't, I became a lawyer, <laughs> and and it turned out I probably I'm not sure whether I'm the greatest lawyer either, but um, 
in any event, what I do now <laughs> is I lead a team of nearly 50 people in a law firm, um, which I've been doing for quite a while. Yeah. And I still do some legal work, but predominantly my day is filled with developing systems and managing people. Um, I try to inspire, motivate and develop loyalty in the team. And um, this yeah. will sound familiar. Uh, I work with a group of highly committed people who need guidance to develop and manage their individual disciplines uh, so as to achieve their best outcomes. Yeah. That's, that's basically what I do. That's what you do. Um, how has your faith, or has it, has your faith helped you in your journey as a lawyer and as a business owner and leader? Yeah, look, I think the main way my faith has has affected me in my career and life is that my primary focus is is on my relationship with God but also with my relationship with my wife mm. um, and a whole bunch of other things other than just getting rich and being the best lawyer in town. Right. Okay, so... So it's important to be a good lawyer. It's important to um, uh, do the best you can for your clients um, and, for, and to be the best you can in your work. But I don't spend my whole life focused on that. Yeah. And you've always been involved in your as part of that. You've always given to the local church in terms of your time and energy and leadership. So it does. It reshapes your priorities, doesn't it, in, in a way that... Yeah, so... In previous churches, I think, I can't remember, I think I was on parish council for 20 years or something. I was a warden for a lot of years. Yeah. I think I was the rector's warden for two rectors for about 12 years or yeah, something. Right. So it, yeah. um, I have had some involvement in that sort of stuff, yeah. Yeah, so the lo and do you think, well, we'll, um, as you look back and you go, okay, I've, I've done... I've, I built a business and kept my marriage together. What are the most important lessons you've learned? If you were maybe to talk, someone's listening to this and they're, you know, maybe starting out their journey professionally or their journey with Jesus, what would you say are the most important lessons you've learned in your journey of life and faith up to this point? And assuming you've got many, many, many years ahead to learn some more. Um, so for me, the most important is to remain open to God even when I'm feeling different, dry um, or whatever and seeking to have a repentant and, a repentant and humble spirit. Mm. Um, for me, every morning I wake up with my wife, Melinda, and it's the best day of my life. I thank God for that blessing. Mm. Um, and... And to be continually positive and praising God inside, even if I'm not doing that outside, uh, is is what it's all about for me. Yeah. I suppose that um, uh, in church, even as in marriage, it's um, working on relationships. Yeah. Is uh, and um, so 
it's more important to be in a relationship than necessarily to be right. Right. Because life's ultimately all about relationships. And yeah. I, I mean, yeah. I've had the privilege of seeing you and some of your staff here at work, and that does, for a law firm you're, and for a lawyer, you're highly relational in the way you lead, and that's clear in everything mm. you do. In well, the that's way. interesting, yeah. you see, because I'm not actually personality-wise, I'm actually not a, person, I'm not a people person. Right. So it's, uh, it's only God yeah. uh, that brings that out. Yeah. So this wasn't in one of the questions I gave you to prepare, so um, forgive me. So as a lawyer, you've, you've prepared well, and I thank you for that. <laughs> but, um, uh, what, are, what have been the most important lessons you've learned in keeping your marriage together and healthy and vital? Because okay. there's lots of people, and you'll know, you, you go through life and, and you see your friends' and colleagues' marriages not make the distance, and yours has, and you're... What, can you speak to that? What if, what's been the key? What's the secret? Uh, well, it's exactly what I just said, and I was taught that by my wife, <laughs> that um, the relationship is, is what it's all about. Um, you can win arguments, um, but that's not important in the scheme of it. Yeah. Um, so that's critical, uh, and uh, just... I, I think celebrating every day that you're together. I um, I tell Melinda that she is the angel that God has given me. Um, Melinda is far more capable theologian than me, so she's appalled by that. <laughs> but <laughs> but I um, think that uh, if I treat her like that, then yeah, that's. Um, ultimately going to work i think that's a, a reasonable theological way of understanding <laughs> one spouse a messenger from god reminding you of areas you can grow in regularly and <laughs> <laughs> also how loved you are simultaneously which is you know the, the job of a good spouse good um what uh have you faced any particular challenges as a business owner like in the because business life in the workforce isn't easy. Have there been particular challenges along the way that have really stretched you and, and been hard to deal with? Look, um, in the early days, for me, um, money was a bit of an issue, um, both the worry about it uh, and um, then the worry about not having or not understanding, not understanding that it was going to come in um, and fearing that it was not going to come right. in um, was quite significant and, and, and probably sensible. Um, <laughs> but it, it, particularly in those times when, and there were times um, also, I mean, in the GFC, it was, uh, there was no doubt that, uh, it was quite scary. So in all of those times, God made me aware that he was in control and ultimately um, reminded me continually, as he still does, to hold on to these things lightly. Yeah. Um, and that... Um, Doing what I do today isn't the be-all and end-all. 
yeah. um, that uh, he might answer my prayers by moving me into something completely different, and um, that's uh, okay. Right. So um, what have been, and we might have touched on this, some of the biggest challenges you faced along the way? As a Look, the biggest challenge for me is my capacity for self-sabotage. Okay. Um, my uh, ability to sin and, uh, and to get in the way of um, God, uh, I think, um, blessing what I do. Yeah, uh, I think that is uh, a challenge that everyone uh, certainly is a challenge that I have. Um, in in real terms, the challenges in this in this legal business uh, have been uh, all sorts of um, financial and different um, things thrown at us um, to do with people who've stolen from us <laughs> and. Um, um, losing clients, we had a string of losing major clients over uh, every 18 months for nearly a decade or at least a significant part of the early, uh, the early part of that decade and, uh, and that certainly um, challenged us. Uh, but um, one of the things that's really interesting in our firm that that really um, not many people not many people at all know is that um, we had a consultant in about 2000 and in the course of the consultancy um, he and the team wanted to work on our relationships and and they they had a bit of a um, new age concept that they were working through and they wanted us to do some stuff which I, I actually specifically can't remember all that well at the moment but they said uh, one of our guys actually one of the three partners said um well we all go to different churches um and some of us are more committed than others but um why don't we just pray at the start of our mm. partners meeting so we have for 20 years wow. at the start of our monthly partners meeting uh we have a quick prayer and it's it's nothing that is um anything they don't do at parliament in some respects right uh, but but it's probably a bit more personal than that and it's certainly um i think god has blessed us yeah and so over 20 years, uh, I can't think of anybody in the firm who's had a terrible accident or been sick or in a very bad way or died or, you know. Yeah, wow. Apart from, unfortunately, someone quite recently. Gosh. Um, what, are, what are some of the hardest parts about following Jesus in your experience? Because sometimes we, you know, we, we can oversell or we can, we can be so eager to tell people it's great when you become a follower of Jesus, but actually there are hard parts, aren't there? Sure. Look, for me, the the hardest part for me um, has been to understand. I think um, um, why we don't have children, mm. uh, and uh, that's been tough for Melinda yeah. uh, and uh, and me to understand that. Uh, that's. Uh, but um, also for me, the inability of um, Christian people to sometimes get on. 
right. has been um, really quite um, challenging. Yeah. It's hard to watch. Um, we've been quite saddened by the breakdown of relationships that's occurred in, the, in our church over the last five years or so. Um, it's easy to see people's egos in that, but also misunderstandings and the inability to communicate mm. where different people come from different perspectives. So, um, so look, from the early days of my Christian life, I've been aware that um, even the Christian world is not black and white. Yeah. Um, my closest relationships have been with evangelicals, but I've also had very good friends who are Pentecostals uh, and High Anglicans, Catholics and Greek Orthodox, and not all of them have been straight. Yeah. Um, all of these people are blessed with God's Holy Spirit, but many, in my experience, particularly evangelicals, unfortunately, find it hard to accept the differences Yeah. and to... Um, just work with those and and um and yeah i mean that that's really for me the hardest part of being a christian is me and other christians and yeah it'd be great the church would be <laughs> great if it, yeah, that's right i mean it is one of the things i've really just speaking personally have appreciated a great deal about you rolf is your is is your inclusive spirit your your own faith is strong you understand where you stand with jesus and you're not afraid of pentecostals and as you say the range of people and diversity that's that's phenomenal and you show great grace to others um so that's been wonderful and a, a joy to be part of so thinking about um about our church now what's the thing you most appreciate about um our little church family at darling street yeah, so the most the, that's an uh, exciting thing that our church is largely now run by young people, by young families for young families. I think that's really healthy. Yeah, um, it's a transfer of leadership that occurred in a very messy way, but it's happened, I think, as God's blessing, and He was definitely in charge. Mm-hmm despite the plans, advocacy, brokering, failed mediation, attempted by many highly skilled and supposedly well-meaning people. So the, mm. I think that's the number. I think it's a miracle. Mm. So I, ho- I hope that we are open to God working powerfully, Yeah, and I think we are. I'm aware that revival follows deep repentance, and that's a bit scary for me. Yeah. I know people are praying and they believe that that will make a difference and I agree with them. In my experience, God does answer prayers. So I'm a strong supporter of the Alpha Course. In my view, it's fabulously balanced and shows the positivity of Christian life. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm at the very least... Uh, we can all be encouraged that you are a leader who understands that women like Robin Richardson can also be highly capable on Sunday, just like Monday to Friday. And and uh, finally, I thought your sermon a few weeks ago about the importance of focusing on the resurrection of Jesus was really significant. Yeah. 
that's the miracle around which this whole ball game is played. Yeah. A famous Jewish man is credited with a saying, if you don't believe in miracles, you're not a realist. Wow, yeah. Um, the miracle of the resurrection is the historical dynamic. Anyone can die on a cross, but rising from the dead, my Lord and my God. Uh. That's the incident in history which changed a civilization. Yeah. So where we're tapped into that as a church, all sorts of amazing things can happen. Well, Rolf, that is, I can't think of a better note to finish on, finish on that. Thank you so much for, for sharing, giving yourself to this. Um, like you, I think, yeah, if, if the risen Jesus is at the center of our life together, gosh, the possibilities are wonderful, aren't they? So uh, I'm looking forward to the next, the next season, the next few years together. And, um, yeah, it's lovely to have you as part of the family and to, to be part of your family because you were here long before I joined this community. It's weird, but... Thank you. I don't feel I've been there that long, but that's <laughs> terrific. Thank you, Mark. This, is, this has been uh, very good. Wonderful. Thank you.